Turn with me to Acts chapter 15. I'll go ahead and tell you that ever since I have become a serious student of the Bible, this passage has been very problematic for me. And then recently in my Bible reading, the Lord really arrested my attention with, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm any more settled on figuring it out than I was when I started studying it. And I, I know a preacher's not supposed to say that, but it's problematic. I wish there, and listen to me, I'm telling you, it sounds like, it's going to sound like I'm critiquing the choice of the Holy Spirit here. On some level, from a human standpoint, one would perhaps think that the Holy Spirit would have allowed for greater explanation. And you'll understand what I mean when we read, read the verses. <laughs> like, why didn't the Lord say more than what was said? Have you ever read in the Bible something? You're like, now, now you know, the Lord, Lord, you can't just abruptly end it right there. You've you, you got to give some more explanation. Lord, it'd make a whole lot more sense to my brain if you would elaborate a little bit more on what just happened, just shook down. And ladies and gentlemen, this is one of those passages. Again, please, you know, I'm not critiquing the Lord and his word. I'm just from a human perspective. By the way, if anybody ever tells you that they've got all the Bible figured out, they'll lie to you about other things. They don't. I don't either. I want to. As we go through these verses, I wish I could stand up here and tell you, okay, yeah, I understand that completely. I understand what's going on there, and here's the solution. Here's the easy solution. Boy, that's what we all want, don't we? We want easy. I want easy solutions. I want it to make sense to me. I want there to be a right side and a wrong side. I want there to be black and white. I want it to be crystal clear. I don't want there to be any ambiguity. I want it crystal clear. Here's who was right. Here's who was wrong. Here's what should have been done. Here's what shouldn't have been done. Boom. Settled. Now let's go. Let's go and do the right thing and don't do the wrong thing. This passage isn't one of those. In some ways, this passage is a warning. In some ways, it's an encouragement. You say, how can something be a warning and an encouragement at the same time? Let's read the passage and find out what's going on. How do you respond when there's a split, a division in the body? A couple of things need to be clearly understood. Number one, no human being is without fault and failure. None. The only perfect one was Jesus. That's a, it's okay to amen what I just said right there. The only perfect person is Jesus. You're not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. Go ahead and let yourself off the hook. We strive for sanctification. We 
But as much as you and I strive for sanctification, not until we stand in his presence in heaven will we be 100% sanctified. We strive for sanctification. We strive to grow and increase in our sanctification. But nobody's got a corner on perfection, only Jesus. That means this. You are going to let somebody down and somebody's going to let you down. You will may not be right about every single thing, every single opinion. And I certainly am not going to be right about every single opinion. I mean, some of you, you're not going to be right about pulling for the wolf pack and the blue devils. Okay. We get that. We get that. We allow for grace in those areas. (laughs) Y'all know I'm playing. There are going to be times, and I'll go ahead and say, this passage applies to various areas. It applies. We see this occurring in business partnerships. At, at my wife and I, our home church, I knew there was a situation where two good men in the church were in business together. Both of them still, went to, still going to church together. But they went into business with each other. And I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Two good men, two godly men that were serving the Lord in the same church, and two men that were smart, two men, both of them served in Vietnam, fought in Vietnam. Good friends, church members, both of them Sunday school teachers. They were in business for just a little bit, and then boom. Their business went belly up. They had contention amongst themselves. And that happens. Sometimes this happens with long-time friendships. But they come to an impassable point where they can't get past the hurdle, whatever the hurdle is. Sometimes this happens in church relationships. It happens in every church. It happens, has happened in this church. You know, we want to minimize it as much as we can, but it's, it's unavoidable. And I'm going to tell you something. That's hurtful. It's hurtful to you when that happens. It's hurtful to me as the preacher. Because you love people and I love people. And sometimes there's an Acts 15 experience and situation that you pray about, you seek the Lord over, you try to seek reconciliation, and you walk away scratching your head, grieving the whole incident. And I want to say this to you. That's why I say encouragement. That's why I say I'm glad that the Lord put this here. Because here's the tendency of some of us. Some of us have the tendency just to be dismissive dismissive of situations like this. And others have a tendency to beat yourself up until the cows come home over situations like this. And neither extreme pleases the Lord. Right? So let's learn what he's wanting us to learn here. Here's what the passage says. Acts 15 verse 36 And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, remember Paul and Barnabas, this phenomenal ministry team. 
phenomenal. Really the first ministry team, apart from the apostles, sent out, they were sent out by the local church, the first missionary pair sent out by the local church. Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again, visit our brethren in every city where we've preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. By the way, they had just come back probably a year before, maybe a little bit longer than a year before from the first missionary journey. And Barnabas determined to take with them, notice this, Barnabas wanted to take John, whose surname was Mark, John Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them. Why? Because it's answered right here, because John Mark departed from them from Pamphylia back in Acts chapter 13. John Mark was with them at the beginning of their first missionary journey. The Bible is not even crystal clear on why John Mark left the group. And there's all kinds of speculations. Fear, homesickness. Some say he got sick himself and returned home. We don't know why. Some say he was homesick. We we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. It just says he left. He departed. He left the group, came back home. So now it's time to go again. Missionary journey number two. And Barnabas is thinking, well, wait a minute. I think, here it is, I think it's a good idea if we take John Mark with us again. And we don't know what Barnabas was thinking. Maybe he was thinking, well, some time has elapsed. He's learned his lessons. Maybe, maybe he's physically more ready and able to go. We don't know. But Paul had a different opinion. And that's what it boiled down to. It was a difference of opinion. Both of them were looking at the same situation. And, and, and have you ever wondered, how can two Christians that were loving the Lord and loving each other and spirit-filled Christians, how in the world can they look at the same scenario and draw different conclusions? And sometimes we've, in our minds, we've likened that to looking at a coin the same coin, there's a head side and a tail side, and depending on where I am or where you are, we can look at the same coin, and I say, what do you see? You say, well, I see heads, and I say, uh-uh, I see tails. We're looking at the same coin, it's just a different perspective. And sometimes there are situations in business, in relationships, and even in the local church where we're looking at the very same scenario, but we're looking at it from different perspectives. Two different opinions. And this was an opinion-based issue. Verse 39. The contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark, and he sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas, who, by the way, had just been introduced to these men. He was a good man. Silas was a great man. And Paul decided when Barnabas left to take John Mark with him, Paul chose Silas, and they departed. 
So verse 39 is the text, the contention between them was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And I want you to notice this, circle the word contention, at least in your mind. One, one scholar said that that word in the Greek indicates violent emotion. Now that's a little startling to me, that these two men, godly men, best friends, Best friends, think about that. Best of friends, that they had such a sharp disagreement that it elicited violent emotion. That doesn't mean they became violent. It just stirred up a very heated passion. That's what it means. One writer said, there's no elaboration. The Lord doesn't circle back later in Acts to tell us how this story ended. We just watched Barnabas sell off to Cyprus with John Mark while Paul and Silas head to Syria and Cilicia. So here's what I wrote down. Really? Paul and Barnabas? Friends whose names go together like David and Jonathan? Or like Peter and John? These brothers who had spent a year together teaching the new Gentile converts at Antioch? These two godly leaders in their own right who risked life and limb together for the gospel on that first missionary journey. These colleagues who became the first missionary team at the special direction of the Holy Spirit himself. And they couldn't reconcile a disagreement over John Mark. We're introduced to Barnabas in Acts 4. When he sold a piece of land and gave the entire amount to the Lord's work, his name means the son of encouragement, and he was an encourager. He was a mentor. He was a disciple maker. He was a difference maker. He was godly, humble, servant-minded Christian leader in his own right. He's listed in Acts 13 as one of the five primary spiritual teachers and leaders of the church at Antioch. And he and Paul, not just Paul, he and Paul were called by the Lord and commissioned by the local church there in Antioch to be the first missionary team ever officially sent out. Paul and Barnabas have been close ever since Acts 9.27. Listen to this. Perhaps within just a few months of Paul's conversion, when Barnabas sought out Paul and befriended him, and I guarantee you there weren't a lot of people signing up for that job, but Barnabas did. See, here was the issue at hand. Barnabas was determined to take John Mark on the second journey, but Paul was insistent that he not go. Two godly men, two anointed men, two strong-willed men, two leaders, two friends, two brothers in Christ, two fellow missionaries, and two firmly held opinions. Wonder how long Paul and Barnabas had been a team. We really don't know for sure. Wonder how many miles they traveled together, how many churches they had planted together, how many times they prayed together, how many tears they shed together, how many drops of blood they shed together, how many deep and impactful conversations they shared together. And yet there was this, and here's the word, verse 39, this contention. Some speculate that the relationship began to strain due to what is said in Galatians chapter 2 when Barnabas sided with the Judaizers in Antioch when Simon Peter came to visit. Some say that's when the contention perhaps began to get embedded. You see, Barnabas was related to John Mark. Some say he was his uncle. Some say that Barnabas was John Mark's cousin. 
And Barnabas was natured and predisposed to be more forgiving and restorative. But Paul was more austere. Paul was less tolerant. Who was right? Who was wrong? Perhaps both. Equally. Who should have yielded? Perhaps both. But the Bible doesn't say. And yet the contention was so strong with these good men that they could no longer continue together. And they split from one another. Paul went one way with Silas. Barnabas went the other way with John Mark. Was God the author of the division? Not necessarily. Did God use the division and work in it and work through it for good and for his own glory? Yes, he did. Here's a key verse to remember. Romans 12, 18, it says, if it be possible, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men, if it's at all possible. Now that phrase is there, and I really believe, because there are times when it's not possible to continue harmoniously and peaceably, at least headed in the same direction over the same issue. One writer said this, be a biblical realist. If human finitude or remaining sin could hinder the harmonious relationship of these two godly men, it shouldn't surprise us when godly believers strongly disagree and even at times feel like they need to separate in our own day. This is a great statement to ponder, and I don't even know how to flesh this out a whole lot, but Dr. Don Sisk, who's a longtime missionary and missionary statesman, he said, we can be brothers without being identical twins. That means we don't have to have the same opinion about certain things and certain issues and certain situations. And there may be times when divisions are unavoidable. You don't want it. You don't seek it. You try to avoid it. But sometimes you can't. So when that happens, and if you have to part ways, let me give you these thoughts about that as we close. Number one, be prayerful in the process and afterwards. Pray first and foremost for reconciliation, if at all possible. Resist the urge to try to figure it all out because you're not going to be able to. But be prayerful. Above all else, seek the face of Jesus. Above, above all else, pray for reconciliation. Someone said, don't take everyone who disagrees with you off your prayer list. That's a good statement. You see, there are a lot of people I disagree with and a lot of people who disagree with me. 
but I don't have the right to take them off my prayer list. I should pray for them, and I do. And I hope you do with people in your life who you've had this with. Pray for them fervently. Pray God's blessing on them genuinely and humbly. Insofar as you think they're wrong, pray that God would bring them to a right understanding. But in so much as they're still walking in the truth, ask God to bless them. Be prayerful. Number two, be peaceable. When you see them, be peaceable. Don't turn the other way. Don't hide. If you see them in a restaurant, you see them in Walmart, don't run and hide behind the Pepsi aisle. Be peaceable. Be pleasant to them. Be sweet. Be kind. Be engaging. You say, Christian, that's hard. I understand. Christian, you you don't know how deeply their choices and their actions and their words, more than anything, wounded me. I may not understand that. But the Lord understands that. And he's the one who's told us to be peaceable. Be gentle. Number three, be proactive. Do what's possible to avoid a conflict if, in fact, it is possible to avoid And again, it may not be possible, but be proactive and try. Number four, be positive about one another. Do not, beloved, do not assume the worst in that person. Don't draw others into your division and expect other people to take sides on the issues that are between you and that other person. When it comes to these opinion-based issues, do not practice third, fourth, fifth, sixth-degree separation. Number five, be principled throughout the entire season. Be principled. Follow God's word. Number six, be pure. Be pure in your motives, in your attitudes, and in your actions. Never use the situation as an opportunity to sin. Never use the situation as an opportunity to lessen your own sanctification or hurt the other party involved. Never. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you post. Guard your own attitude. Protect your own spirit. And keep giving it to Jesus. 
Sometimes conflict is unavoidable. And sometimes it's irreparable in this life. Not always, but sometimes it is. Sometimes the only response to have is to genuinely say, I'm sorry for the part I have played in this disruption. Because my held position is based on principle, my conscience will not allow me to yield. I love you in the Lord. That will never change. And it's okay to say that. Chuck Swindoll said, sometimes disagreements can't be resolved. It's not a matter of right or wrong, but simply differences of opinion. And you have to agree to disagree while staying friends. Now, I said a while ago that I wish the Lord would have said more. But in some ways, I reckon he did. Because we have 2 Timothy 4, Paul's last chapter. Paul's last words. It's the end of his life. And he said about John Mark. He said about John Mark's restoration and John Mark's usefulness. Timothy, when you come to me, bring John Mark. Because he's now profitable for me, for the ministry. Apparently, Barnabas did something right in the process and got John Mark back to the point where Paul could say, God's going to use that young man now. We can be sure that Satan got some mileage out of this apostolic split, one writer said. But I want to remind you that what Satan intended for evil, God ultimately used it for good. And I close with Romans 14.10. I encourage us to let the Holy Spirit search us in these moments, in these times. Why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it naught, thy brother? Set it naught means to set away from you. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the issue was over differences of opinion. Not right and wrong. He's not debating right or wrong. He's debating two sides of an issue where you have to make a judgment call on which side you're going to be on. And sometimes two good people and two good friends and two good brothers and sisters come down on different sides. The reality is that we each must answer to God ultimately, not to one another. So be prayerful. Be peaceable, be proactive, be positive, be principled, and be pure. And may God help all of us.